And welcome to episode 371 of the Siren Studs Podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again this week by my flaming Hot co-hosts, Peter and Jake. That's right, Kurt. This is the uh, it's the Shadow Wizard Money Cast edition. We love casting spells. We love casting pods. This podcast is brought to you by the Shadow Government. I like casting perfume pods. As long as my deck is built around Burfing Pod. It's, this meme has no longevity, but I am absolutely all here for it. It is going to be gone by next week. I highly predict what? this. Every, an, like, every remember, YouTube animator has already gotten in on it. They've already cashed out. Yeah. Um, it's like the, uh, the air horn. Bro Biden or the evil Kermit that just came and went. Oh yeah, evil Seeming Kermit. What a week. throwback! Evil Kermit, wouldn't I do it for you? AKA well, the Borzoi well, meme. Yeah, well, memes are are on a monthly basis. I, I don't know what we're on. Um, let's see, the half life of memes are decreasing. They really are. I, I did see uh, people start to. Gen like, Alpha has like no attention span. They doubled up on the meme calendar. Where I remember, like even in 2021, it was at least um, uh, Knuckles, the Knuckles meme, for like a good month. Long enough for us to get you a shirt. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I'm so glad that was the one we decided. <laughs> Jake needs the merch for that. I got the and shirt. I don't regret that decision. I got the shirt. It's no. funny because there's like a, a select set of shirts that I'm I have that like Kristen won't let me like hang up and i have to like put in a suitcase and like it's ugandan knuckles i have a a reese's uh that's the the ugandan knuckles is like the least offensive i at least wore that to work one day um there's there's the ones i'm not allowed to wear out in public which is the the reese's nut in me daddy which is just a a a peanut butter cup with uh the uh, ahigo face or I'm I'm mispronouncing yeah, no, that by I, the way, which is not Ahigo. It's a very white to say it like that. Um, you're gonna say it the traditional Japanese. Yeah, let me look up the pronunciation. Jake, when you are very white, it's okay to say things very whitely. Ahigao. Just how you are. The Ahigao face. That's just about the same way. But Ahigo Ahigao. Ahigao face um and then i have a a button up that is one size too big that is all it's uh, hey oh, yes. faces on it oh you got the black and white uh Ahigao face no jacket. this isn't this is in color <laughs> Jesus. it's in color it's full technicolor baby yeah, it's a 4k color technicolor vision. i've never seen one in color i've seen plenty the of loudest fucking color palette it's like you can almost not tell. Loudest color, color palette no imaginable. That, that is what is on there. Yeah. Dan Flashes would not carry such a shirt. Uh, business. That's all pink. That's close to it. I I shudder to think what will happen think when I click. Should, I don't think you can pull it up on the video stream. 
for the sake of his audience. Well, I'll have to see. Well, I'll have to. Wa- I'll have to screen it for for the audience. See if it passes my uh, morality filter, which yeah. admittedly is very permissive. Let me try. <laughs> let me try this. Uh, this upload file. All right, show Papa Smurf what you got. Let me. Where the fuck is it? I just saved it. While he's doing that, I'm gonna lead us in to our <laughs> segment, first of many uh, that we do every week here on this uh, piece of media called <laughs> podcast. Uh, it's called Trey Watch, and we talk about trailers that we watched. This that was week. maybe the most belabored segue to that segment in the history of the show. <laughs> And we have we have so much time to build on it. <laughs> we have forever, Kurt. I gotta we gotta we're, I, it's a record I gonna wanna beat every week. Um, well, you might have some shortcomings in that case. Oh, oh. that's how you make a quick, concise oh. transition to a topic. What is this movie about? Dab. Um, I I have no idea. A dude who lacks a lot of ambition. And then his, I don't know the nature of his relationship with the dark-haired girl. Um, I don't know if they are dating or related. Um, part of my, my initial read was that they were related and they kind of went on a break. And he, he's trying to, like, hook up with someone else. And he meets someone he really likes. I don't know. Um, yeah, this is... A lot of the poll quotes were about the first time director Randall Park yeah. here and uh I don't know, it's uh it feels like it kinda is in that crazy rich Asians vein of like, you know, we're gonna we're gonna put out a movie that's basically the same as a movie that's been done with white people ninety million times. But this time we're gonna go all Asian on the cast and it's gonna make mega bucks. I don't know. Yeah, I, they. It's. I mean, it's. It's a mainly. Yeah, it's a ma- Asian main cast. I don't. I don't know how much they're gonna talk about Asian culture in this. Um, Cause, mostly, cause what this really... seems like is just the most love triangle. The love triangle that that ever had three sides, <laughs> or maybe even more. Love quadrangle. Yeah. Drama. I mean, they even they even do like the, the classic trope of having like the gay gay friend that like helps him helps the guy throughout the the process and there's that yeah. like side love story yeah but um i mean well, here's the synopsis for whatever it's worth a hilarious irreverent examination of racial politics sexual mores and pop culture shortcomings follows ben a cynical Bay Area movie theater manager and his irrepressible friend, best friend, Alice, as they traverse Ben's disintegrating relationship with his girlfriend, Miko, Alice's serial dating habits, and other obstacles in the way of their personal growth. Um, so it's, it's slice of life movie number however many. Although I guess this one is also, it's based on like a, like an indie comic, I think. Ba- a claimed graphic novel by Adrian Tomine. 
It, I mean, the trailer doesn't really like push too much the, uh, like the Asian side to it. I, the, the most they get is like when he has to comically be the gay best friend's uh, boyfriend in front of like the, uh, like the Korean, uh, religious parents. parents. Yeah. Like there's a the whole uh, Korean Jesus aspect to it. They bring up. I, I'm assuming they're Korean, but. Yeah. All right, so I'm looking at the comics. It's 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 okay. It's it's very it's a very plain graphic novel. Well, I mean, the subject matter would lead me to believe that'd be rather right. But I mean, you can do you can do a a pretty uh, down to earth subject matter with some pizzazz and some flair. But this is like I don't know. This is like Diet Doonesbury. Yeah. I'm sure. On a technical level, it will be fine. Um, it's certainly not a movie I personally have any interest in. Yeah, but it's it's reviewed well at the festivals that it's been at. So, I mean, there's that. Yeah, it's and it's, um, in, it's in Sony Classics. Yeah, it's it's the type of movie that that a certain audience eats up. I'm just not in that audience. So, maybe you are and. Maybe you you want to check out shortcomings uh, on August fourth, or maybe you just want to watch another fucking horror movie. Yeah, in the uh, in the, the age of horror movies coming out at random times of the year, uh, we got Cobweb, which I'm glad know, they decided to put Anthony Starr, you know, in a more wholesome role. It felt it felt a little bit like Boogeyman. With uh, you know, the kid getting scared at night with that that classic <laughs> trope, um, but uh, I guess the nice little twist on this is the the parents are in on it. Yes, it's it's a it's like a mixture of the parents, the one with the the movie with Nicolas Cage where he does the slap of God, um, and Boogeyman. Was that movie just called Mom and Dad? Anthony Starr as the dad, and him being a weird familial creep is a great role for him. I hope he doesn't get typecast as that, but (laughs) man, does he uh, do it really well. It's certainly a comfortable role for him. (laughs) Fitting right as they came out with uh, Boys Season 4, like featurettes or... uh, Oh, yeah. The um, a the I guess I guess AR uh, teasers kind of, promotionals yeah um this movie this movie is like a there's someone in the walls movie <laughs> it is it it that's the that's the type of movie it is there was this was all the rage in like 20, 2012, you know twenty fourteen yeah. yeah when we were in college yeah um. Also, your mom's gonna run at you, and she's gonna grab you. She's gonna get you. Um, yeah, another, another horror gem from Lionsgate. I mean, it looks visually, it looks less bland. I, I, I don't know. It looks less, like, I, generic. I would describe that color palette as fairly bland. 
Maybe. I, I don't know. It's something with the lights. But anyways, I feel like, I just feel, oh no, no, I was going to say, oh, this one will be a step up above, you know, it won't be like a crazy good, like historic, you know, history making kind of movie, but it'll be a step up from the normal uh, horror fair. And then I saw the gang and the animal masks and I was like, oh no, okay, this movie has no original <laughs> ideas. Yeah. Um, it's from the people who brought you Barbarian and It. So they've done this before. I don't know. I don't know what you want me to say. <laughs> it's the uh, the pumpkins outside are nice. Nice little. You, you, so that's kind of the weird thing. Is like this movie's a summer release, yet they're invoking a lot of like fall, fall and Halloween yeah. iconography. So maybe yeah. the plan is you do this, you release it in theaters for your summer horror content, then you can release it on home video, <laughs> coming oh. soon to home video for you uh, your Halloween release. Also, the uh, the the title does not make a ton of sense. Cobweb. I need I need to. Sorry to cut you off, but oh, I need okay. to spotlight this this comment left on the YouTube video here. From HJ. Cobweb is a live action Coraline with The Shining vibes. I have not seen The Shining, but Coraline creeped me out as a kid. <laughs> that is some next level shit. It's like this movie crossed with this other movie that I haven't seen. <laughs> this movie could be Citizen Kane crossed with Halloween because <laughs> I saw a knife in Halloween. And there's a knife in this. I have not seen Citizen Kane, though. Uh, but, you know, I heard it's good and there's acting. Scary Movie 2 is like Scary Movie 1 <laughs> plus They Live. Except I haven't seen They Live. <laughs> but as I understand, there are glasses. And one of the characters in Scary Movie 2 wears glasses. Oh, nailed it. Way to, way to go, YouTube commenters. Uh, making IMDb user views shine like a burning light yet again. They're fucking classic literature by comparison. Yeah. Uh, now, uh, talk about classic literature. Nimona uh, comes out on June 30th on Netflix just at the end of Pride Month for this gay-ass movie. Because gays are <laughs> hot right now. It's Pride Month, baby. Yeah, if you ain't gay, yeah. you're gay. So it just kind of seems ever, You ever see those bland. videos on, on YouTube where they take like a cutscene from Heavy Rain or like, you know, a 3D adventure game and they turn the facial animations up to like 200%? Yeah. It's like that's this is this is this. Yeah. They just, yeah, everybody. they had a regular animated movie with a lot of the setting of like the Arcane series. I don't know. It just reminds me a lot of yeah. that. And then they turned. It's... They said they took the dial with faces and turned it up to like <sighs> the Jim Carrey setting. Even even like the three D um, like the three D animation kind of almost in, tries to invoke the arcane animation, but less stylistic. Like it, it just feels like like a, yeah. like a like a Jade say, animations kind of thing, like a game. I'll say animation. this for the animation. Is like it, it clearly, clearly they did not have a ton of money, 
but I feel like they got the most out of their budget. Like, it doesn't look great like a big theatrical release in this kind of style does, but it also looks pretty okay. Yeah. As like, far as the story goes, that's where you lose a lot of everything. This was my favorite episode of Ruby Volume 3. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it this certainly is feels well, like it's a, an episode of a well show. Well-trodden ground. Um, this kind of story mechanism just in general. Like, it's very, very well-worn. Another, um, another one based on a graphic novel. We'll but have you ever have you ever had one where the the the, the friend is a shape shifting monster and there's like monster fear in a city? Uh, yeah, yes. I just watched Dungeons and Dragons like two months ago. It's I mean yeah, you, you're certainly not going to find a movie out in theaters now about how you know a girl who isn't you know the most beautiful or archetypal you know is it turns out to be the important one and, and saves the day. No, we certainly Ruby Gilman won't do that. Um, yeah, the the only notable thing about this trailer, uh, sadly, is the fact that the uh, protagonist and antagonist are former gay lovers, and and apparently swap places. Oh, I, I, or it, it's like. It, it's like you're the protagonist from our viewpoint is the guy who's viewed as a, a villain and the hero. I'm, I, I'm is, pretty sure that this movie is basic bitch enough to turns out that the, the good knight was the one who killed the queen yeah. to usurp power and blamed uh, this guy. Like yeah. I, I'm this movie, the- this movie announces its intentions in giant neon light. <laughs> I'm looking at the, some of the, pages from the graphic novel i mean i like the art style for this a lot better i it's it's a very it's a much simpler kind of art style um oh yeah wow but i you know it does kind of look like it was drawn by uh a youngin it's got a vibe it's got a vibe that i like um and it does not translate to um, no the, the series, I don't think. And un- unfortunately, the comments are turned off because it's a kid's movie, and we can't have kids commenting on their stuff, so um, predators yeah, no, will get them. No great comments to mine. Um, interestingly enough, it does maintain a slim favorability. Um, 593 uh, thumbs up to 486 thumbs down by a smidge yeah so i guess it's it's just bland and palatable enough for people not to hate it yeah talk about bland and palatable for people not to hate it landscape with invisible uh, invisible hand this is not the movie yes. that i thought it was gonna Definitely be bl- a very classic bland just you know by the numbers rom-com yeah by the numbers rom com with uh you know, the the casual twist that aliens are watching us for their entertainment. Uh took a, a South Park bit and turned it into a a PG or PG thirteen movie. No, this is rated R dog. Is this rated R? Sure is. Well shit. 
How are they gonna make a red rock? Oh yeah, it is. Uh, probably gonna be some cussing would be my I, guess. I hope that's it because these are kids, and yeah, I'd rather gonna be some cussing, be that than and there's the gonna stuff. be some fucking. Yeah. Uh, Unless euphoria... the aliens have weird dongs, <laughs> and they show the aliens weird dongs. Because Euphoria already pushed my patience with that kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I I did not realize that they did that in Euphoria. Yeah. Or they went that direction. I mean, I guess they did go that direction because it's all yeah. about like relationship drama, but like edgier. So, sex. Here's um, underage tits. Feel something about it. Well, I'm sure the <laughs> actors do some are... ecstasy about it. It doesn't matter. I mean, it does because that's like being watching a porn and being like, "What are you doing, stepbrother?" They're not related. Yeah, but that's like taboo. It's like it's like going and finding those. Uh, oh, but I'm only sixteen. Uh, yeah, but the, the actor's the really bait. eighteen. Yeah, you know they the eighteen year old that looks sixteen and they constantly say, "Oh, but I'm underage. I'm underage." And if I'm, I'm not getting off to that. And then when you're in court, you're like, she said she was 18, dog. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, what do you want from me? She said um, it multiple times. This um, time. I like the I like the cool twist. This is like got an interesting twist where they are are kind of this doing is... it for views and it kind of backfires on them. Yeah, it's kind yeah, of like a Truman Show type is, thing. Uh, it, it truly depicts a sci-fi society in which someone can get a refund from like a social media site <laughs> that shit if i could get a refund from like fucking twitch i can barely get one from like uh grubhub can you imagine if um all the pranksters on youtube who like did fake pranks had to like give refunds to all the people who watched <laughs> you owe your million views one penny it wasn't just a duped. prank bro it was scripted yeah <laughs> yeah i'm I, I I do I do like the concept. It's it's pretty novel. Uh, it's a real interesting hook for this kind of movie. Um, that being said, aliens look really bad. Like yeah. they do really like the really CG bad. On the aliens looks pretty rough. Um, I like that the designs are ugly as shit. Um, yeah, like I don't I don't mind like the the design, but like the actual. Execution is and they and very they showed lacking. them a lot in the trailer. So they do not shy away from them. That is they, that is very true. I am I am wondering how prevalent they're going to be in the actual movie. Uh, if they are a main staple sticking point, it's going to be a little jarring. Um, and I don't know, I don't know how how far the premise can carry this movie because I didn't see a lot. That inspired great confidence in the script. Yeah. Um, an interesting premise will get people in the door, but it won't get them to stay. And I, I wonder how, how compelling they're going to be able to make this narrative. Because I, I feel like, and maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this, this stays a fairly unique thing. But I feel like by the end of this, it's gonna, when you strip away all the the veneer it's gonna be a basic oh that they actually fell in love story yeah yeah pr probably i mean it's the way it was kind of seeming but or maybe they do something else i don't know it's 
it's not gonna again it's not gonna hook me um i do appreciate again this is what we need from our romance movies it's the weird shit yeah <laughs> i fully advocate for this i will <laughs> i will go to bat for our weird alien twitch romance movie i mean we literally had like a generic uh rom-com plot next to a kind of innovative rom-com story uh in this in this tray watch you have you got some comparisons some direct (laughs) one-to-one some what to do and what not to do comparisons in this tray watch and And, um, and now that you've seen aliens here's more aliens with uh this is pixar yeah pixar yeah elio (laughs) from the makers of what if elements had feelings what if aliens had feelings yeah i don't know man i don't know about this um uh it's only Um, teaser so we don't get too much but we get the premise little boy sucked up into space on accident because his mom got contacted by aliens, and she dropped her phone on the computer. I want to know what's up with the eye patch. Uh, I just got an eye patch, you know. Yeah. Is it well? I want to know. Is it one of those things where like the one eye isn't as strong, so they gotta cover the strong eye, so the weak eye develops? I or like to think of it. As... Did he lose an eye in an unfortunate smelting accident? <laughs> Inquiring minds want to know. I think. Did, was he's... he a little dumb dumb and scratched his cornea? It it's it's it, he probably heard the thing about about pirates and is like, all right, I'm gonna prepare for every anything. How and, bad does it smell? And <laughs> yeah. at the at the end of this movie, he's gonna have to go from a bright room to a dark room and do a time challenge where he will switch over his eye patch and his one eye is used to the dark already, so he's good to go. He's he's like able to traverse the room without adjusting. I know they did that on MythBusters. I don't remember what Actually, the result Jake, was. All right, here it is. It's right pl- now. It was it was plausible and so most the likely movie, the reason why. Yeah. So in the movie, they threaten the, this kid. Like he meets the aliens, and there's a lot of great environment designs. Notably, none of the really cool artwork and designs are on any of the characters' IMO. Um, but they're threatening him with with the memory wipe. They're definitely going to do it like the Neuralizer, but he has one eye closed, so it's not going to work. That's going to happen. I don't know how they're going to stretch 90 compelling minutes out of this. Uh, it feels to me at least like a lot of Pixar's most recent output has been uh, we had a really cool idea for a world that we could animate. Yeah. And we built the movie around that because soul really, really nice city. Like the, the beyond realm also had some cool stuff. Uh, you know, the, the elemental has a, has a pretty interesting world to it. Uh, this looks good. Coco similar, uh, onward, similar sort of deal movies, uh, kind of hit or miss around them. But Coco had heart. No, Coco was good. I'm not. I'm saying hit or miss. That was a hit. No, what well, well, I'm saying is like we've seen a decline of like that. You know, you it's okay to have these these cool like world ideas and then build a story around it, but you got to build a story around it. Like if you don't yeah. build a story around it, it's just a it's a it's a what do you call it? It's a a tech demo. Yeah. 
Yeah. That's it. Pixar's, Pixar's yeah. been stuck in a rut for, for a hot minute, it feels like. I've, they, the, they've relied for a long time on doing things kind of the same way, um, just in terms of how they, they develop projects and test the projects and I feel like when you, if you do something long enough, eventually you're going to fall into patterns. And a lot of their movies have kind of come out feeling samey and yeah. not not interesting in the way that they used to be. Yeah. Um, I mean, the premise is cute, I guess. Um, the world's cute, the characters. Eh. The writing, I don't know. And the bad guy admits to just... Or the, I, the the presumed bad guy just admits to being a cannibal at the end of the trailer, and that's not the, Casual the kid cannibal. asked him was like, "Is that?" He asked the smart question, was like, "Oh, is that like a cultural alien thing?" He's like, "No, no, that was just me." Was me Everyone was really surprised, which like is a really funny joke, but I don't know why it's in this movie. <laughs> Doesn't seem to fit tonally, no. I think I think that's it. I think it was just a really funny joke on paper, and they. We're gonna put, put this in there. In, put this in it's the for the movie. adults. It's for the adults. It's the you it's, know they like how they had had the cloud spell out sex and Lion King. They gotta have one for the adults <laughs> in there. Stupid people are made of food. <laughs> the food is people. Stupid. Oh. Um, that's. Oh, that's well, I guess it was. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we, well, no, we got well, one more. We actually want. Yeah. Well, there's two more. Importantly, there's a there's they clone Tyrone. They actually have the full trailer out for this. Yeah, um, this looks like a fun romp. I um, I feel like there's a lot going trying... on. It's just a very typical black exploitation thing. I feel like I've seen a lot of this in the in the, I was gonna say Napoleon Dynamite. No, they're uh-huh. trying they're trying real hard to make Black Dynamite, but it doesn't have that panache charm. Yeah. They're trying to do, instead of like a kung fu movie, a science fiction invasion of the body snatchers type tilt to the the black exploitation parody thing that Michael Jai White fucking crushed with yep. Black Dynamite. And it's, it's, I, I, the vibe's not quite there for me. No. Yeah. It's, I'm, I may still end up watching this. Um, but it might if I hear it's like good, I'll watch afternoon it. Kind of watch. Yeah, I mean yeah. it's coming to Netflix, so as long get, as uh, get it in they before s- they finally cut the cut the cord. Yeah, as long as they slow roll that um, password sharing prevention, password sharing thing, it, uh, mm. it's all good to me. Yeah, and uh, finally, and most importantly, biggest trailer of the week. It's the latest superhero movie trailer. Uh, Paw Patrol, the mighty movie trailer. I was curious one. if this is where you were going for. It was, in fact, where I was going with this. Um, <clears throat> side note about Carl's date that they're advertising a Pixar short to go see. Yes. In front of your other movie. It's going to be in front of uh, Ilio. <laughs> which does not inspire confidence. That like It's going to be 30 minutes long. <laughs> You need a trailer for your five, three to five minute short to make sure that, like, is your goal that people will come 
and see that, and they'll go, oh, I guess I'll stay for Elemental. No, they're going to do it like they did with Olaf's Frozen Adventure. They're going to make it 25 minutes long. They're going to stick it in front of Coco, and they're going to warn nobody about it. Uh, well, thankfully, they they did the right thing this time. Well, um, I mean, you know it exists now, but you don't know when it's coming. So now every Disney or Pixar movie you watch, you're going to be looking over your shoulder for Carl's date. <laughs> no, I thought they said it was it was going to be in front of Elemental. Oh, is it? I did not. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't watch the trailer. <laughs> That's fine. I'll confess. Again, it was. It the premise can be explained in five words. Carl wants to go for a date, and the dog helps him. That's five words. Um, much like Paw Patrol: The Mighty Movie is also five words. Um, is this is this the same Paw Patrol movie that they like they teased like a year back or like a couple years back? I f- I feel like this is a new. Paw Patrol movie. Yeah, I think I think this is all okay, new. So this is the second Paw Patrol movie. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That and is my they, my they assessment. Yeah. Now, I guess. And kind of a little bit of, not well, it's not uh, Power Ranger powers like with the his his car morphs a little bit, but maybe that was just a one time thing. Would you say that it transforms, or I guess converts? Is the the terminology they use converters? <laughs> that sounds very legally distinct. <laughs> it's one of those things where they they didn't want to let they didn't want to take get the Xerox treatment or the mighty, escalator treatment. Mighty converting docks. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's yeah. I I mean that was the the joke was that the I mean you heard the joke the joke was told. Joke is over. It's another Paw Patrol movie, but they have um, superhero suits and cool cars now, and the CGI is better than some of the other trailers we've seen (laughs) in this slate. CGI is better than Elio. Because they still made it, they just, they, they went with the tried and true, like the cartoon, the book. They went by the book. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's a piece of cake to bake a pretty cake. Well, I mean, they they have experience animating all these characters, and you you give them more money, and they will do a nicer job of it. Like, this movie came straight out of 2005, complete with I Got the Power (laughs) as the the trailer backing track and everything. Like, there is a non-zero chance that Celebrate plays at the end of this movie. All right, well that's Trey Watch. That's Trey Watch. Let's, let's follow right up it. now with the with the follow up and uh, get out of here in a tight fifteen. It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> leading off this week. Left. We've got it's a new. Not gonna happen. We got a new champion for June nineteenth for eleventh. Yeah, I was. Trans- <laughs> I'm honestly surprised. Um, I'm not. I a new movie opening is always gonna gonna do a little bit better. Um, but I'm I was pleasantly surprised that it didn't win by much. So Transformers: Rise of the Beasts brought in sixty one point oh four million dollars in thirty six hundred theaters. Uh, Spider Verse was hot on its heels with fifty five million dollars. Uh, but we'll talk about that more when we get there. Uh, so far, Transformers: Rise of the Beasts has 
brought in $197 million worldwide. Um, and more importantly, it's found itself in our crosshairs for the spotlight. So uh, Transformers Rise of the Beast currently is receiving what I would consider to be middling reviews. It's got a 6.6 out of 10 on IMDb, a 53% critic score on Rotten Tomatoes, and a 91% uh, user score and a 91% score on Fandango's website. Why don't you show me Metacritic? Just one second, folks. It is Metacritic, I believe, of 42. Yes, Metacritic of 42. Uh, 6.4 user score, though. So uh, pretty consistent with the IMDb uh, thing. So mid, I guess, is is the Big consensus mid. from from those people. But as we know, the only people that matter are the people that put their blood, sweat, and tears into their IMDb user reviews, such as... Uh, <clears throat> let me try to get this right. Akash Prajpati. Uh, six four one three one. Uh, take a bite out of crime. Ten out of ten review. VFX and actions are the best part of it. Submitted June eleventh, twenty twenty three. Just watch Transformers: Rise of the Beast. Fabulous VFX and storyline. Actions are the best part of it, especially in three D. Two periods. Exclamation mark. Double hard eyes emoji. Just watch Transformers Rise of the Beast. Fabulous VFX and storyline. Actions are the best part of it, especially in 3D. <laughs> Two periods, exclamation, double hard eyes emoji. And that repeats for one, two, three, four, five, six paragraphs. Gotta hit that character limit somehow, baby. <laughs> Two out of four found it helpful. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh, boy. All That's right. It's amazing so I, for reasons that will also become more clear later. <laughs> all right. So I, I was all ready with this one, which was a diehard Transformers fan deprived and hoodwinked. It had a good amount of people finding it helpful. But I found one that I cannot pass up. And I found another one that hits uh, more of my bars for a one out of ten, where it brings it political. <laughs> <laughs> and I did not know that was possible with this movie, so I am going to save you the actual good one out of Why ten. Well, gotta be Transformers, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> all right, one out of ten. We'll get we'll get the. Uh, We'll get the uh, Alex Jones one out of the way first. R.J. Jackson, 17120 says... R.J. Jackson sounds like a fucking angry newspaper owner yeah. in the vein R. J. of J. Jackson. Jameson. R.J. Jackson says, boring and PC rubbish. I can't believe I'm writing this about a Transformers movie. First 30 minutes is incredibly boring PC rubbish. Latino guy can't get a job because evil white man won't give him one. Rightly so, since his Sounds reference familiar. told the guy he was unreliable. So turns to crime. Black woman at museum is overlooked at work, but she's so much more intelligent than her white colleagues. That's the first 30 minutes. <laughs> then we 
Then we have the inclusion of the actual Transformers pop into the movie, but somehow the actual voice actor is great like heck. How did I go from loving Transformers to finding them incredibly irritating? Arg! <laughs> I have no clue who this director Looking at his profile, I see he's done very few films, and it shows a mile off. But Michael Bay should have fought and not let him touch this franchise with a barge pole. <laughs> Transformers suddenly got dragged into a whole ethnic minority. Must be in everything regardless of talent agenda. What a sad world the Transformers dropped into. One out of five found that helpful. Oh, jeez. What the fuck? <laughs> that that took agenda. a took a couple of weird weird turns. Not gonna lie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. All right. Preface. So, as a side note to my to the middling reviews, I don't know how it is with you guys, but a lot of these in the mids, there's a lot of these that are like seven paragraph like breakdowns and essays. So I can't I... talk about them here. Sad. I would. It would take us. Uh, like an hour if I were to read two of these sizes, but there are there's multiple multi paragraph, um, very in depth, like reviews of this movie in the mids. Um, but instead, I for brevity and for comedy, um, <laughs> I've selected the best, uh, including this four out of ten from Akash Tripathi, eight six five two four. I think the serial number is different there. <laughs> um, see? That's the payoff. Uh, four out of ten. Overhyped. Didn't felt like real Transformers. <laughs> this, this is amazing. Uh, Michael, Bay's, Michael Bay's absence can be seen clearly. <laughs> Very overhyped. So many emotional scenes like Bumblebee. Too much dependence on humans. Characters and story both lack excitement and fun. And sound is okay, not good one either. The only one action scene where you will be satisfied was Bumblebee's entry. Most important, Prime felt like old helpless man. He was struggling to fight even very little. The old attitudes of Prime with his best dialogues was clearly missing. Honestly, disappointed after waiting for so long. But I think they are starting from beginning, so we should wait and see what happens in next titles. Hopefully next one will be packed with more action and less emotional drama and humans. Five out of nine found that helpful. I mean, that is basically what we talk about with these movies, right? That is yeah, true. You just we gotta cut out the bullshit just, and give the people give what they want. Just minutes of robots fighting. So, All right. you know what? Hey. <laughs> expressing those real reviewer traits. Yep. And now, uh, Camp Anam has a uh, 10 out of 10 review here for Transformers Rise of the Beast. Now, there were about half a dozen in my 10 minutes of scrolling reviews with the same, this exact same title, Transformers the Best Movie of the Franchise, with like pretty similar review bodies. So I'm pretty sure this is AI re generated review astroturfing from Paramount. But we're going to read it anyway. All right. <laughs> This movie had a lot of heart, unlike the AI that wrote it, this review. Mirage and Noah steal the show. They were my favorite ones. 
the Terracons are very menacing and heartless, unlike this movie, which has heart. <laughs> this is definitely the best Transformers movie. The ending blew my mind, and the music in the movie is fire. I would also like to add that it is fun. It's actually quite funny, and the action is strong. My eyes misted over when they talked about the special item in this movie, but so much better than the Bayes movies. (laughs) The director did a great job directing this film. Paramount took a good decision at the moment to put Transformers Rise of the Beasts in Stephen Cappell's hands. 70 out of 131 found that helpful. Was that line about the heart actually real and in that review? Uh, this movie has a lot of heart, is about okay. the review. And the Terracons were referred to as being heartless. Uh, I added in the unlike this movie, which has heart. Okay. But I felt it tied it together very nicely. They have the audacity to put that in there. Unfortunately, they're not as clever as I am. Zhuzhing it up a little bit, I see. No zhuzhing Yeah, goose them a little bit. <laughs> No, no judging it up for BWN Sniper Rocks. Okay. Main actor know. sucks. Main actor. Anthony Ramos' face looks on drug. <laughs> it's not even cheering to watch. The act is poor. This review from 40 people in cinema all agree with this. Please change the character that looks more action than Anthony Ramos. Very poor act. Main actor Anthony Ramos' face looks on drug. It's not even cheering to watch this act. The act is poor. This review from 40 people in cinema all agree with this. Please change the character that looks more action than Anthony Ramos. Very poor act. And um, I did not realize that it says it a third time, <laughs> the same the same thing. So, just that, just, just to get that character count, hit baby. the character count. When <laughs> in doubt, char- hit the count. Just say the same <sighs> thing three times out. Yeah. Oh my lord. Uh, so I will, I will, I will uh, give one one appeasal from another one out of ten that I was I might might have what might have read. Uh, just there was a warning if, in case you go see this. Side effects include headaches, migraines, thoughts of hopelessness and regret, brain aneurysm, <laughs> self harm, and depression. All right, angry video game nerd. Yeah, right. Got him. Got him. Um, yeah. All right. And then take us to the bridge. The uh, my favorite out of this whole this whole section here um, from Chico Jackie Jr. Is a six out of ten. Um, now I'm going to take the last sentence of this review and put it first because it's an important preface. I don't know why I put it at the end. Uh, sorry for the bad English because I live in Asia. Thank you for for uh, prefacing that for us. I will take that into account. <clears throat> Rise. Uh, so six out of ten. A disappointment. Rise of the beasts, but doesn't feel like a beasts was rising. Five years awaiting a new Transformers film after Bumblebee 2018, I was expecting some Optimus Prime solo film or maybe some decent Transformers film, but what we got is some mixed-up faction between Autobots, Maximals, and Terracons. I do appreciate your Max Holt impression here. (laughs) 
The problem with this film is that they introduce some new characters, but they force it into one hour's film, which is a mistake. This film should have been a two hours, because there were new characters that we've never seen before in live action, and they need some backstory about this new characters. The only focus with the backstory about the humans, which is boring because they got more screen time than the Maximals, and I feel disappointed with Rhinox and Cheetor, they have less screen time. The transformation of the ro- of robots in this film was kind of boring. In the Bayverse, the transformation of the Transformers feels like a slow but fast and smooth, and we can <laughs> we can see clearly how do they transform into robots. In this film, the transformation was kind of fast, and the CGI was kind of grayish, so it's very hard to see what they transform into. And and oh god, oh god, what have they done with Wheeljack? Wheeljack is such a useless character in this film. This film can't work without Wheeljack. They change his design, his voice, his personality, and worstly, he doesn't even do anything in the film besides chasing Battle Trap with RC. Unicron? They should just make a movie about Autobots fighting the Decepticons, because they really have balls of steel to use Unicron in the first film in the Transformers in the reboot universe. And they just straight introduce us to Unicron. They should do they should just do Unicron they sorry. They should just do with Unicron later because this universe need more fresh story. It feels like a DCEU film when we got to introduce with Superman and then he fight Batman in the next film and in the next film they introduce Darkseid. The only things I like about this film is the soundtrack. St- Steve Jablonski is back, and he used his original Transformers 2007 theme in this film, and I was surprised at the end of the film, and Optimus Prime did his final <coughs> speech after six years, the last time he did his final speech in Transformers The Last Night. Two out of three. Only two out of three. I guess three it, has, it has been a while since the last of these movies came out. I didn't realize because I thought they were dead. <laughs> oh, I made a grievous error in this in this uh, review. Sorry, I I made the mistake of saying this film can't work without Wheeljack. I was wrong. This film can work without Wheeljack. That's what uh-huh. I figured. Uh, you meant, um, and I was uncertain Apolo- if I had misheard. Apologies you. to Chico Jackie Jr. Now you got me going down a rabbit hole of what who Wheeljack is and how he's <laughs> looked over the different. Uh, I didn't realize this was the scientist robot in the Bayverse ones, and he I don't, has glasses now. I will not adopt this terminology of the Bayverse. <laughs> I Do I it. just I'm baffled that we're. I mean, of course it's to be expected. I shouldn't I I shouldn't be surprised. But the fact that we have nerds arguing over which of the new Transformers CGI movies eras was better, like. You've gone too far. There's no accounting for taste. That's all I'll say. Yeah. All right, let's get back to our box office roundup here. As mentioned, Spider-Verse was hot on the heels of Transformers, uh, bringing in another $55.5 million, bringing its worldwide gross to $412 million, uh, surpassing the first movie's total in just two weeks. So uh, we'll see how high it goes. Hopefully quite high. But to the moon, we do, as they say. We do have a lot of mo- uh, movies coming out in the next next couple weeks here that are going to be stiff comp. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> we'll see. But it already made already made a good amount of money, so they can't take that away from it. Yeah. 
in third, we have the Little Mermaid uh, swirling away from the Island of Relevancy, down 44.1%, despite still being in 4,300 theaters. Um, its total worldwide gross is up to $425 million. So uh, Spider-Verse is going to earn it, it would seem. Yeah. GOG 3 finds itself in fourth with $7.2 million. Uh, pretty good week-over-week -week retention, only losing about a third of its box office. Its worldwide total has gotten itself up to $809 million. So a a great success for Marvel, brought to them yeah. by the person who's now leaving to go head up their competition. <laughs> you know, it, it's so... It's, it's, always, it's always wonderful to see, you know, how's... How's Disney doing? Are they doing okay? Is Walt Disney Studios doing okay? I'm sure they got a little bit of chunk off of Spider. Well, do they get anything off of Spider-Man? No, Sony owns the film rights to But does Marvel get anything off of that? I think the deal was for Spider-Man stuff um, was when they would co-produce it for the MCU, uh, Marvel would pay all the production costs and Sony would get half the box office. Gotcha. So Disney's not getting anything from Spider-Verse, but Little Mermaid and Guardians of the Galaxy, both in box office, making well over their budget. Yeah. Ooh, must, must be, feel nice to be the mouse. Well, there's some trouble in paradise. I've been reading about a lot of behind-the-scenes uh, turmoil at Marvel and Lucasfilm. Interesting, but uh, we'll see yeah, how that. It's 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 gotten so big at this point where I feel like it can't. You know, you can't put the the differences aside at this point. Like in the beginning, you know, when there was still more passion and drive, um, you know, you could let just things slide if there was. Well, a... it's just gotten too big. It's it's too yeah. hard to manage now. Like it used to have like one central vision. And like what part of what I was reading is that Kevin Feige used to be like the fixer, and um, now like he can't do that because there's so many projects, and studio executives are being placed put in place as showrunners on some of the Disney Plus series instead of the head writers, which is typical of of Hollywood. Usually, the head writer is also the showrunner. Um, which hurts their possibility for career advancement, and it's a smaller paycheck. So right. uh, there's a lot of people that aren't happy about that, so they're not able to get really experienced and accomplished directors to do these projects now, so they have to take chances on new people who aren't as experienced or capable in some cases, and you get a worse product for it. Hit or miss, and sometimes well, they miss. I feel like some of the trouble behind the scenes is also with the because um, I'm, I'm looking up articles about like what what you're saying with like Lucasfilm and Disney. The the one I hear or I've seen twice so far is somebody some foreign oil tycoon wants to buy Star Wars and Lucasfilm from Disney. I don't know if that'll ever happen. Yeah, I mean they can make an offer, but Disney has to be willing to sell. Yeah, yeah, that that's something I doubt they'll be uh, willing to do. Anytime soon. Um, but the other thing is, I just heard not too long ago that the actor who played Namor um, is accused now of uh, sexual assault on his like longtime girlfriend or something like that, which hmm. makes like 
two of the <laughs> two of the villains being real life villains. Yeah, the, uh, uh, you know, DC's beating out uh, Marvel in the actual criminals. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Ezra Miller's able to walk the red carpet with a handler. They uh, forgot. And, see, and, the movie was so good they forgot his crimes. Uh, exactly. <laughs> so it's like shit. What are they going to do if they lose Namor and they lose Jonathan Majors? They're going to have to recast both. Well, they've already pushed. Uh... Avengers, the Avengers movies back a year piece. Yeah. Oh well, I'm sure that's going to happen. The longer the writer strike goes, well, on, it's I'm already sure it's they happen. already announced a revised slate of dates. Deadpool three yeah. got moved up though, which is interesting. Oh. Huh. Um, by like Damn two it. days. By like two. Damn it! I don't want that though. <laughs> I want Ryan Reynolds to be able to go and do uh some some rewrites with his quips. Um. So the third Walt Disney. <laughs> movie in a row the boogeyman finds itself yeah. a th- i still can't get over I the know. fact that that's a disney movie <laughs> like released under walt disney studios uh the boogeyman 7.1 million dollars in its second week uh 43 million dollars worldwide for the boogeyman fast x uh which is now available on stream that shit made it to streaming so fast like crazy they had it prepped um for a big movie like this uh five million dollars this week uh its total worldwide gross is 661 million dollars so uh trying to get that that home video money as fast as they can but universal is is laughing all the way to the bank because super mario brothers movie still in the top 10 and it's 10th week 2.2 million dollars and just over 1,800 feeders, $1.319 billion worldwide. Uh, about My Father finds itself at eight. About $830,000, Yeah, down 60% week on week. Ouch. And out of 1,500 feeders, which explains the big drop. Yep. $12 million worldwide for that small... A little movie. Same thing with the with the machine here in ninth. Just uh, the same story, cutting out of theaters. They had to. I think they cut. I'm pretty sure they cut both of these movies to make room for Transformers and Transformers. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, but this one comes in at about five hundred and seventy six thousand. Um, this is going right to Max or whatever. Does Sony uh, distribute through Max? Sony or does not. Does Sony, I think, auctions sure. off to the highest bidder. Okay. Um, although I do think they have a deal in place with uh, NBC Universal for Peacock to host some of their stuff directly. I don't. I don't remember the details. Yeah, I no. could be completely wrong. Whatever but, it is, uh, say, it's got to be going to streaming. I tried watching a uh, Spider Verse. Because um, I want to show Chris in it, I could not find that streaming anywhere. Oh well, and I know a place. And your Plex server was not uh, working with me, so I couldn't I couldn't find that streaming anywhere. So I had a, I was forced to rent it for four dollars on YouTube <laughs> or Prime, no Xfinity. I think I just got it through my service. So 
They may have they may have sold it to like um, Comcast or something like that. Some of like it. So Sony rights. Sony has a Sony has their own streaming service. Not a lot of people have access to it because you have to have a Bravia TV. It's called Bravia Core, and it has a lot of their big movies on it. And its claim to fame is that it's like full fat like quality. Mm-hmm. Like they recommend a uh uh like four hundred meg download speed for their service because they, they stream shit at like eighty megabits per second. Yeah. Um past lives rounds out the top ten here five hundred and twenty thousand dollars uh in just twenty six theaters. So take that, the machine. <laughs> the classic A twenty four slow roll. Uh, you see how well it's doing with the one right below it. You hurt my You're... feelings. Um, yeah, not quite as successful there. Yeah. Uh, so, A24 just hold, holding steady for a little while. I think a lot of... So, like, I look at You Hurt My Feelings, and right? It's only its third week. It's down to 400 theaters. It got pushed out of nearly 500. I think part of A24's release strategy for some of these movies is to make it like a special event where it's a very limited engagement, only a few theaters, only yeah. for a short time, try to get some people out there, and that's why they're able to pull big numbers, like 520000 <clears throat> bucks and just 26 theaters. Yeah. Um, and then they don't spend as much money on a wider release, and it's... It's got all this buzz about it because it was this ooh special ethereal thing. So when it shows up on streaming, people buy it. Yeah, but they're also very selective with their marketing. I, I feel like Past Lives and You Hurt My Feelings wasn't marketed as much as like The Whale. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think anyone who doesn't listen to this show knew that either of these movies were coming yeah. out. I think we, other than the, I think we did a spotlight on one of these last week, maybe? I don't know. But it's uh, not, it went, it came and went. Um, yeah, I think we and, did Boogeyman last week. Yeah, and honestly, that's um, that's the top ten. Shout out to uh, in in twentieth place, uh, the angry black girl and her monster, <laughs> <laughs> produced by self produced. Um, Interesting, Vicar- the- Vicaria. Vicaria is a brilliant teenager who believes death is a disease that can be cured. After the brutal murder of her brother, she embarks on a dangerous journey to bring him back to life. Made 48, 49,000 domestic. So it's it's Frankenstein. Yeah, it looks to be. All right, well. Nifty. Um, and that is the follow-up. Yeah, sure, sure is. Let's talk about gaming news this week, and let me go quickly. I had something I wanted to talk about, but I kind of forgot. I need to jog my memory, so I'll go last. <laughs> okay, I'll start. It's a, it's a smaller one, but you know I love the ones near and dear to my heart. Um, I mean, there's obviously the big one. I'm sure you're going to be talking about Starfield. Empty Promises, the game, yeah. (laughs) Um, I'm going to be talking about, again, a much smaller one. Um, Ghost Trick is getting ported to consoles for the first time. 
I'm psyched about that. Um, it lived on the DS where it uh, sold terribly. Uh, then it ported to iOS as an app game. Um, and that did okay, I guess. Um, but Shu Takumi at 65 years old <laughs> got on screen, got on the, the, the video for the whatever Capcom game thing is like, hey guys, we're putting it on the Switch and the, the PS4 and the Xbox. Um, with obviously, of course, with updated graphics, um, updated soundtrack. Like it's a it's a real honest to god port, not just like an emulation, which is kind of interesting because I'm sure it was a little easier. Uh, fun fact about Ghost Trick was so the whole game is set in like a kind of a theater fourth wall sort of situation where you're seeing everything like as a slice through, and what they did for the animation was they took uh, they made three D models and then crushed them into pixel, you know, uh, compress them down to uh, DS uh, resolution. So they flattened mm-hmm. them out and made them a little pixelated. But, you know, presumably they still had all the 3D models. So when it came when it came time to port it to a more, to a higher graphic fidelity. I mean, I don't know. It's, I don't know how long they would have held on to that. Um, the assets to a game that didn't sell well on a console that... Yeah. <laughs> is you know um, almost two decades old at this point yeah well it, i i'm reading here part this the this announcement was done in the form of like an interview with shoot takumi um and he does he was like yeah the the um the the 3d models did help at, at, at the very least to to help convert it over um so i i guess he he seems like the kind of guy who just works on what he wants to work on He's like, I did Ace, I did Ace Attorney, and I'm just gonna do Ace Attorney games. And I did Ghost Trick, and it didn't sell well, but I still love it. So we're gonna be making, we're gonna be doing a remake. I would recommend anyone who enjoys mystery novels, visual novels, that sort of deal, um, pick this game up. It's probably gonna be like ten dollars, unless it's. Unless they hit it with the Nintendo price, in which case it will be thirty dollars for this. Uh, well, I mean, it's not just Nintendo. Sega tried to sell us like four of the most easy to to access games in their catalog for thirty bucks yeah. <laughs> or forty dollars, actually. Uh, yeah. Um. By the way, it's either this or you try and get it on like Dinky iOS or emulate it in low quality on the DS. And I honestly think yeah. this is worth the upgrade. Well, I, I know you're a big fan of Ghost Trick. Um, I still have not played it, so maybe oh, maybe someday, maybe now that's very convenient for me to do so. I'll, <laughs> I'll investigate it. Um, so, like you said, uh, Starfield was announced, or... Shown I off. guess more more information was showed, and they had a big showcase. They had a Starfield Direct from Bethesda. So the most information we've gotten out of Starfield in a long time, because I think this was like, what, four or five years in the making? Um, it's been a minute. Yeah. <clears throat> so Bethesda's promoting this as the culmination of their RPG games. Uh, there is an article here stating from a Microsoft exec saying it 
is the game with the fewest bugs that Bethesda's gonna release. <laughs> it just what a claim. Okay. How many fewer? Like one fewer? Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that could just, still be okay. hundreds of thousands of bugs. This is Bethesda yeah. we're talking about. Yeah. Um, not to mention the uh the, the I don't like this trend. Uh, Starfield's premium edition will get you into game five days early, just like Diablo. I don't like that trend. In a in a uh, time where we should be taking our 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 time, time with the games, yeah. Uh, in an era where where games are harder than ever to develop, we should not be promoting like early releases, even if it's by like a week. Uh, I I feel like it's just shooting yourself in the foot. <laughs> If the game's not ready to release, why are you releasing it any any amount of days earlier? So I think that's just silly. It seems counterintuitive. Um, you know, who knows? This could even be pushed back to a later date, and probably yeah. will. Knowing no one, knowing Bethesda, and two, knowing the size and scale of this game, we'll get the uh, um, so, what's that? What was the what was the WB the Warner Brothers fighting game? Multiverses. Uh, yeah, multiverses. We'll do a situation like that where they say, oh, no, we're actually going to finish it now. Everyone who is playing the alpha version, um, get the fuck out. We'll see you in three yeah. years. And so what was that other the community for that game in the process. What was that other Space Hopper game that uh, that that they, they fixed along the way? No Man's Sky? No Man's Sky. So How could you forget? This is like, How could you forget? You? I know. So I, I am bad with names. So then No Man's Sky meets uh, Fallout Vegas, Fallout New Vegas. Um, well, more like Fallout uh, 4 because it's Bethesda and Obsidian. Yeah, but it's got the, like a Western element to it. So it's probably going to be a little bit of a little bit of that, a little bit of Fallout 76, knowing the new things that are coming out of it. Um, so you're going to have anywhere from like gravity changes on planets, jetpacks you can hop around with. Um, ship customization from the outside to the interior, uh, space magic. What they showed looked cool. I I won't deny it, and mm-hmm. obviously, I'd love for Starfield to be a good game. Like Bethesda, when they get it right, they get it right, and they make a pretty good game. Yeah. However, <laughs> when I look and see. That Starfield is in second place on Steam's global bestsellers list. And the person who is making these promises is Todd fucking Howard. Yeah. I get irate. Don't <sighs> believe his lies. Like, there's, yeah, uh, there's my favorite the meme height. ever. My favorite meme ever right now is it's the fucking the scene from Memento. Where he has the picture of the guy and it says, don't believe his lies, but they photoshopped Todd Howard in there. Yeah. Don't pre-order your games, especially Bethesda games. And especially Especially the premium edition. A hundred dollar digital premium edition. That's fucking insane. A steelbook display case that probably won't have a CD in it. A watch case and a watch. And a patch. It'll go great with my night with my uh, dr- my heavy canvas bag to carry my the Fallout fa- seventy six stuff in. Yeah, the fact that they're even announcing a premium edition is just like has has Fallout seventy six pre order written all over it, and it, they should be ashamed. 
So that's silly. I look forward um, to the internet historian video about how all the watches didn't work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it, it everything has an asterisk next to it. Like, oh, that pre-order is nice. Asterisk. You know? Remember the canvas bag? Uh, all these features look great. Asterisk. Look what 76 brought us and how fucking unusable it was on release. Um you know it, it, the promises that they've they've made with other games and and Fallout seventy six, um, like even their hits. Skyrim shipped with progression breaking bugs on the PC version that yeah. did not get fixed until fans put out a patch years later. You used to have to go into the console and skip yourself ahead in the quest because you could not progress because a character who was supposed to speak to you to advance the quest. Doesn't. could not speak <laughs> yeah um you have that you have um you have the fact that it's capped at 30 fps on consoles so it doesn't i don't know it they said they think that's the most optimal way to play this game so that's why they're capping it on consoles but is it not going to be optimized for like 60 fps on PCs like what it'll probably gonna try to lock to 60 on, a brick? on PCs because Bethesda as far as I'm aware is still using a heavily modified version of the Gamebryo engine that they developed for Morrowind back in 2003 just get another one which has its <sighs> physics tied to the frame rate which means that on PC, you're probably looking at a maximum frame rate of 62, which is the maximum value that uh, the math in the physics calculations will accept. And honestly, the graphics don't look much better than what we've seen before. The character designs look like they're reskins of Fallout 76. They're It, it looks a bit derivative in terms of its graphics and it's some of its designs but they're doing some interesting stuff with i think space travel with planet designs it'll be interesting to see how they go about once they like release everything about the game how they how they make all the games are they or games worlds are they are they generated when you travel there are they pre-installed into the game like is there a set planet alignment that's already in the game and then if you go to a different one it it generates it like a minecraft world um that'll be interesting to see how they do because they are touting a lot of crazy shit with this game on how uh how big it is the scale of it um seems cool but that could also be a lot of just empty space like how many how many of the missions are we going to see where we come across a floating spaceship and have to loot it and figure out by ourselves uh how the crew died and then face a bug monster at the end like is that going to be 99 percent of the encounters or 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 what so again these are the these are the things that took no man's sky years to like one feature at a time build up to the point it uh-huh. is now and even now like no man's sky solved that problem by introducing the expedition system which was you load into an instanced server with like you and your buddies and you go through a little story on set planets like you can still hang around and go and fuck around in that universe 
and go to yeah. procedurally generated planets, but the story will take place um, on specifically seeded planets. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's going to be a number of planets. I don't know what that number is that are handcrafted worlds. It's it's. I think it's going to be a lot like how Mass Effect One did it, where you have planets with like a lot of story quests or, or more detailed side quest lines that are are pre-made uh and well thought a lot of thought was put into it and then there are going to be a planet planets that are a collection of assets that you've recycled from you know 14 or 15 other different planets that are very similar but just a little bit different the hallways on this yeah. side instead of that side um yeah and that ratio is going to be important, though. And playing No Man's Sky, like when, when you had you had those kind of encounters, like you'll go there. How many times have I had the encounter where you go to the abandoned, like molded over research station, and there's little there's grabby aliens there trying to kill you, plenty of times. But I mean, it doesn't like you just kind of I just kind of accept it and just go for it, and it gives you good rewards. So I'm like, all right, I know what I'm going to get into. I know how to to get through this we'll, we'll hit it and go and like you know space encounters those are always fun um you know so as yeah, long as it's, it, if there's good if there's good space combat shoot it's just yeah. it's just so shocking to me that th- enough people pre-ordered it to make it the second best-selling game in a year where redfall came out yeah. where Gollum came out. Gollum was delayed. I want to remind everyone that that piece of shit was delayed to get polished up and it released like that. <laughs> it's fucking insane. It, it feels like it's a joke. <laughs> it does. It feels like a fucking prank that I'm not yeah. sure who's in on. Um, I don't know. Eventually it'll be good, but don't, don't pre-order it, especially not for a hundred dollars. Don't give Todd a hundred dollars of your money for something that we still know very little about, sure, and is very far from releasing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we don't we don't know a whole lot. I mean, the the amount that they showed us in the in the actual direct was 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 a lot, but it was also a little like they didn't go over everything like we don't know how much the story's going to be and and honestly these are all just showcase stuff that they're giving to us that they've already pre-prepared right. to look the best so we have garden, absolutely yeah. yeah we have absolutely no idea what it's going to look like and i don't know why anybody would put their full faith run, and trust yeah. unless they have just unlimited money to throw away in which case okay you know, if you're a streamer, you want to play this day one, show people that it's shit. Okay, right. You have if you're, money to burn. If That's... you're in that composition, right, you're not playing it as a normal sort of thing, right? You have, yeah, you have that other context. But like, and I think that's where that is, again number two means that regular regular people are just eating that hype for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Dude, on the PC yeah. Gamer article, there are too many comments defending pre-ordering. It's it's just insane. I I don't understand it. Um, so obviously, again, we'll reiterate again, again, again. Um, you know our stance on pre-orders. Hopefully, you've adopted it too. I'm gonna add this to it. If you're feeling the pressure from others, don't worry. They're never gonna get it. They're never gonna understand if they haven't understood by this point. 
um, pre-ordering is more risk than reward. What is the yeah. reward? Very little. Couple yeah, some tchotchkes, and you get to play an incomplete version of the game. So, yeah, some low-quality tchotchkes, um, and if there is in-game items, chances are a couple years down the road they're going to be available for purchase as DLC, um, yeah. or going to come included in the game of the year edition which will yeah. have a couple Everything. major patches yeah. by that point, all the DLC, and cost about 75% as much. You can wait. There's plenty of great games out there right now, enough to where you'll never be able to play them all. So you can fill some of the gap with those. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, like, for sure. So if you're, a, if you're an older gamer who is, if you've ever played with a cartridge, uh, you don't have much excuse. Uh, but if you've never played with a cartridge or physical media, you have even less of an excuse to pre-order. Yeah. Uh, like, there was a time where a certain number of discs were pressed with the game data on them, and you had to reserve a copy so that you could play it the day it came out. That was a time when pre-ordering made sense. In the era of digital distribution, pre-ordering no longer makes sense copy as much as they want um so i didn't again i didn't i didn't watch the starfield um is this is this gonna have multiplayer elements in it uh no okay does that mean it's going to be offline no (laughs) (laughs) well there you go kids it's 2023 no game is truly offline peter (laughs) yeah yeah See, that's where I'm. That's where I need to get with the times. Um, yeah, I don't know. That these are all things that have put the nails in the coffin for me. If don't let the emotions get the best of you. This is your. This is your glass of ice cold water to drink. Um, if you're feeling, if you're feeling sweaty from the hype, just take a cool, crisp glass of perspective. Bring it back. Yeah, there's there's a lot of games it's out there. Be a game. It's not going to be all things to all people. Yeah, and um, how good a game? Who knows? Maybe maybe it, it runs fine. It's not very buggy or whatever, but it's just not all that fun to play. And if it is um, good, then what have you lost by waiting a little bit to play it? Absolutely nothing. And you can play another game in the meantime, like like Sifu, which is the game that I'm going to be reviewing right now. I recently completed Sifu. It took me a lot longer because I am a perfectionist and do not like it when my runs go poorly. So I restarted a lot. Um, it is it is really fun. Uh, it lets you play out your favorite Kung Fu revenge movie storyline wherein uh, everything goes to shit. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, you're... Uh, father is murdered by a mysterious assailant who may or may not have relation to your player character and you are seemingly struck down but you live and train for eight long years and you're 20 years old it's finally time for you to go out there and seek your revenge upon the world and you do that through a combat system that is Similar enough to a lot of games that I've played recently, um, it kind of it bears a lot of 
the same kind of DNA as like God of War and the 2018 God of War um, and Hi-Fi Rush and uh, Fallen Order where there's a lot of emphasis on like pairing and stuff. Um, also like strikes it are kind of, there's some similarities to like the Batman Arkham games or Insomniac Spider-Man, but there's a lot more depth to it. It's almost like if you took that system and added in the comboing and like frame advantage uh, emphasis of a fighting game, you'd get Sifu. It's not quite as strict in timing as a fighting game, but there is definitely major benefit to learning how the different enemies attack you so that you can parry and dodge for maximum punishes, uh, knowing what your punish is uh, for a given attack that you block or, or parry or dodge. Um learning advanced combos and like what strings can lead into the other can completely revolutionize your game. I had so much fun just learning like what the, what the different combos do, what I could link into what, and you know, how to best punish things. And it's a challenging game. I, I did not have as much trouble with it because I, like I said, have very recently been playing a lot of games that have similar mechanics and am just generally pretty experienced with fighting games. And uh, I was able to have a high rate of success through the game. I, I finished my first playthrough um, at about... Well, I, I went into the final boss fight, which was very difficult because um, one of the systems in the game is called Focus. You, If you avoid enough strikes or kick enough ass, or parry enough things, your focus meter builds, and then you can use a focus attack, no relation to the Street Fighter Four focus attack, where right. you hold down left trigger, and you have a menu of attacks that you can purchase uh, with experience. You purchase all your techniques with experience. You gain experience by defeating enemies, and you have to purchase, if you purchase a upgrade, it unlocks for that run. So for the rest of that hideout, or the rest of your run, I guess, um, it's unlocked. To permanently unlock it, you have to purchase it multiple times. Now, you can like continually restart hideouts to farm XP. That's what I did at a certain point because I wanted to try out all these different techniques and figure out how to best play the game. Um, and I'm glad that allows you to do it. It also allows you to basically new game plus at any point and keep all your unlocked permanently unlocked techniques, but not your character upgrades which can dramatically alter the way uh, you play and approach certain combat situations. So there's a lot of fun depth. And the story, there's there's a investigation board where you can kind of link um, and uncover some of the secrets of, this, of your family and your uh, connection to this criminal organization. As you're doing the investigation on this crime. Yeah, so there's... There's replayability in that. There's reasons to go back and visit stages other than just getting a new high score and having a lot of fun. Um, and uh, the the hook is kind of interesting. So what I've described sounds kind of like a basic roguelike type thing, but the, the difference is, is when you die, your death counter goes up, uh, obviously. 
So it starts at zero, goes up to one, and you have an age. I mentioned you start at 20 years old. When you uh, get reborn, when you revive, your age goes up, equivalent to your death counter. So if you're 20, you die for the first time, you resurrect, you're up to 21. Every decade, your damage goes up, but your health goes down. And every decade also, uh, you have like a chain of of little rings. And every mm-hmm. 10 years, your uh, ring breaks. So you have a finite number of times you can restart for a run. But like I said, you can restart an individual hideout at any point in time at, the, at what you started at and then kind of smooth out your run if it's not going too well. And there are a lot of people online that are like, oh, when you beat this boss... You want to try to stick to around this age or younger? I was like, "Fuck that noise!" I want to get. I don't want to be. I want to be older than I actually am when I fight the final boss, and I wasn't. Um, uh, but it was. It's a great game with a lot of depth. If you like, if you like the kind of combat system of the Arkham games, where you got a lot of people coming at you and you gotta keep your head on a swivel and and block and parry, and you like. Uh, learning new combo strings. If you took my recommendation and played Hi-Fi Rush, I think there's a good chance that you'd also enjoy Sifu. Um, I've been playing Sifu a lot. Um, I had it done and ready to review last week. I forgot about it, like I almost did this week. Uh, But I've still been playing it in that time. So Um, It's pretty inexpensive, too. It runs like a dream on a lot. The graphics aren't... They're stylized. And they look nice, but they're not super demanding. They're they're pretty easy to run. It'll run good on a wide variety of hardware, I'm sure. And it's a whole lot of fun. Uh, if you have a coupon, I don't know if it's available on other stores or if it's still an Epic exclusive, but I had a 15 buck coupon for Epic, and I got it for like 20 bucks. and I certainly have put more than 20 hours into it. Um, and I would recommend Sifu to anyone who enjoys... Uh, Souls-like combat. I don't know if I've never played a Souls game, so I don't know if that's an accurate assessment. <laughs> but <laughs> deep combat uh, in a one versus many thing. If you like kung fu movies, if you're a fan of the Raid, play Sifu. If you're a fan no. of John Wick, play Sifu. You get to use weapons, knives, and bats, and you can throw the weapons. It's a lot of fun. Um, it, the game in general is just just a lot of fun, and I would I would highly recommend it to to anybody. Um, and that's cool. that's gaming news. Let's talk about something that maybe we don't recommend to as many people, and that's flaming hot. Flamin hot. Uh, I uh, you know what? I was surprised when I saw it on Disney Plus, um, and. I I guess my bar must have just been really really low for this because I did not know much going. Wait, was it actually on Disney Plus? It was on Disney Plus and Hulu. Okay, I watched it. I watched on Hulu. Yeah, um, I was kind of surprised at how not trash it was. It wasn't by far like a great movie, but I don't think it was a movie that like needed to be made. (laughs) I don't know. It's very very weird. Yeah, that. That last bit there is kind of 
kind of a big sticking point. Did this need to be made? I mean, no movie ever really needs to be made, but this one especially didn't really In feel the like it. Climate of um, of uh, product biopics. Um, this one definitely as mu- as cute as the story is, the actual story um, probably didn't need to happen. Probably not like this. And um, it, yeah, it didn't I feel. Get- I get Super what he was going for. I get what Eva Longoria was going for was a a Latin flavored version of this type of movie with a little bit yeah. of um like trying to go for a magical realism thing or like a tall tale sort of story. Um but again it it didn't quite land that way. Yeah, the movie's a little bit better if you consider the main character to be an unreliable narrator. Um I do say a little bit. Yes, there's a oh, lot yeah. of narration, and so if you like the um, theatrical cut of uh, of Blade Runner, you're in for a treat. And it's the the tone is very like I almost I want to say juvenile almost. Yeah. So um, sure, I will. I'll nail it down. Like the. The content and subject matter and the, the story itself is aimed at kind of a, you know, an older teen, you know, young adult kind of audience, general general theater going people. But the screenplay and the actual writing feels directed more towards like middle schoolers. Yeah. <laughs> See, this. This movie, not Jake's cracking up over here. Not no, I wanted to go to the trivia section of IMDb just to figure out, like, because the, the biggest question on everybody's mind is, is it real? And I'm like, wow, this is like, it's almost like a too good to be true. Like, a jan, the premise of it is a janitor comes up with the idea for the flaming hot to read or, or mm-hmm. flaming hot like flavoring, and he calls the CEO Frito Lay. And sends him a bag, and he loves it, and they make it, and they have they go from making five thousand to five million. Um, the first first blip in the trivia from IMDb, Frito Lay informed the producers of this film that the story was false in 2019, but they went ahead with the film anyway. Yeah, I, I, it. I it do remember seemed... that it's like a factoid. A very very oft passed around factoid that like the janitor did suggest the flame and hot flavor. Yeah, and brought it up, and that's the that's the colloquial story of how Cheetos got its flaming flame and hot flavor. Yeah, uh, they do. There is a and where are they Pepsico now? Certainly likes to tout it as like one of their like commercial success corporate success stories. You know, it's one of those that's bandied about. You know, they kind of allude to it in the movie where it's one of those stories that um, really uh, anal ass business types will like circle jerk about in their in their conventions as like this is this is the corporate family model. Anyone can have a good idea. And they'll just they just repeat that around in a in a big echoey oval. Um, lost my train of thought here. Yeah, like it the way they present the movie, it doesn't come off as super believable. But they do have a like a where are they now at the end where the Mr. Montanez 
served as, you know, director of foreign marketing for however long, um, mm. or multicultural marketing. I forget what his exact title it was, was. Multicultural marketing, yeah. Um, um, but yeah, so like <laughs> elements based on a true story in the way that like Texas Chainsaw Massacre is based on a true story in that there was someone in Maine who had furniture made of human people. Um, no references yep. to Texas or chainsaws in there, but <laughs> hey, based on a true story, uh, this, there, Mr. Montanez worked at Frito-Lay <laughs> around the time that Flamin' Hot Cheetos came out. Sure. Um, I feel like if I were a Mexican-American, I would not be super pleased with the way my people were portrayed in this movie. I I honestly can't be one to say. Um, I'm not going to make any comment, positive or negative, about that because I just because I remember like there was that whole uproar about um, this is I guess this is a different thing, but it reminds me of that when Super Mario Odyssey came out and white people were like super pissed about Mario wearing a sombrero. And yeah. all the Mexicans were like, "Yes, absolutely, Mario." Well, it's it's not it's not even like a that sort of but thing. This is a little different. It's it's more yeah. like uh, I don't know, like <laughs> some of the implications of there's so much bluster blown about how like you know this snack represents our culture. It lets us know that you know the foods we like are valued. I'm like, we're talking about Cheetos, right? Yeah, <laughs> and. Yeah, as far it's, as it's, I, I mean, it's ultimately a puff piece for Frito Lay and Cheetos, and how how that that's their thing. Uh, the one thing I will say is that there was a lot of like um, heritage esque foods that they you know made at home and traditionally made from scratch that they prided themselves in, which I think that is a positive. But I I can't speak to the fact that I mean it makes sense that sure in maybe the 60s, 70s, 80s, people, Mex- you know, Hispanics coming from Mexico, uh, whether they're illegal or not, um, coming over into California and, and places, other than Texas, I would say, because probably I feel like a lot of, of Hispanic people in Texas lived there long before and were like probably texas texan right before natives. it was or were uh, natives be, before it was even texas before it was annexed yeah, yeah before it was even texas so like that makes sense like that's a, a different breed of hispanic as in where where you look at maybe california where they may have immigrated uh and they came up and it's it's that melting pot sort of uh where texas is more of okay they're already a, a stated inhabitant and California they're more of a an immigrant a um you know the 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 racial term would be more of like an invader uh which that's partially how they are portrayed throughout the movie or through the beginning of the movie where there's like inherent racism just thrown about cartoonish uh, racism cartoon yeah you you know you know I think they were trying to casually throwing slurs I was part of a thing, California in the '60s. That was Cesar Chavez. That was the the farm labor uh, strikes, huge issues with you know that was that was the big culture was the migrant worker situation in California yeah. at the time. Yes, and, uh, and the Southwest. However, the cartoonish racism persists into the '90s in this movie. Also, 
Yeah, yeah. Even even with them like saying, ah, oh, you know, I got a couple Mexicans and they're mostly hardworking, so why not hop on board? Um, you know, it, it did kind of stop when he got to like the factory side of it. Um, but it crept up there a little bit towards the end where the no, it was it was hit on the elites. the whole time because they're like, oh yeah, the the black self made man can't get promoted to management. Oh, they're just looking for any excuse to throw out the brown ones. Like they harped on it constantly, and then when he gets into inventing the snack, you know the the white guy, you know, marketing executives not putting any money into advertising because he's trying to torpedo it, which is not how that would work in a corporate situation. He tried to steal the idea and pass it off as his own because that's how corporate culture works. Yeah. Well, I, the, the, when they were like self-deprecating, um, I, I didn't look so much as that. I, I well, felt I mean, that was like just that's maybe... just kind of example like of keeping how they're viewed. keeping race relations front and center of the audience. I can understand that, um, you know, but I, I, I also don't see that too much different than like if it was a a you know impoverished kid just being like, oh, they'll not, never let me get up in the ranks because I'm not one of them kind of thing and and that was passable it was more the beginning that i had had the issue with but then again they also didn't there were a lot of they didn't have much time to spend on it so it's like if you're gonna have to do a couple scenes with it to get that point across Um, it's like okay you kind of have to use that as your only portrayal of it and when that's your only instance going through the movie tonally it's like your your only instance of their interaction with other people is like racist it's like that well that's not the entire time it's like that's the one percent of the time i'm sure but you're not going to show the 99 percent of the time where they're treated as the people or hang out with their own uh their own people and it does and kind of living it doesn't help that the pacing of this movie was not great it's so weird like Um, it's only because so part of it is the is the narrator who him is the narrator yeah take without without a framing device it's a combination of things if it was there was a framing device which we would cut back to to you know uh take breaks between story beats okay that could work but this is like this is a straight like blade runner i'm talking over the movie narration and explaining what is happening on screen well there's a little bit the audience to be able to watch the movie there's a That's... little bit of a framing device in that he's at a dinner waxing nostalgic on how he got here. And the way they open yeah. the movie is it's, you know, a Hispanic man. I'm not going to make the assumption that the actor is Mexican. Um, you know, there's this guy, you know, working in the kitchen. And then there's a guy, you know, probably a busboy and then a waiter. And, you know, the guy, the main character is narrating is like, nah, that ain't me. That's me. And it's the guy in the suit at the table, which was obviously where they were going with that from the instant they started it. Yeah. So I, yeah. I don't know why they felt a that they were of, being clever with that. A lot of the cinematic choices do, like, again, I, <clears throat> I know, I remember there's pieces where Eva Longoria was all up in arms about, like, people are hating on her movie or whatever. But, like, this was her her directorial debut. And a lot she blames sexism movie. for the negative reviews because she's a woman. Yeah. And but, that's why I mean, people are hating on the movie. It is very clear that this is like a first time director's movie, you know, for for better or for worse. Because there's, there are like 
there's good parts. <laughs> there's there's some really there's some like little you know nuggets in here of good of good filmmaking, and there's some ones that aren't aren't so good. Um, I mean, getting I just, back I to off, like just there's some there's some weird continuity kind of errors, like just base level technical continuity errors and some of the editing. Um, there's some use of techniques which. Like they they wanted to use the technique, but didn't quite get it right. The one that I remember was when the idea dawns on um, dawns on our main character. They do a like it's a what's that technique? It's like the where the camera pans in, but it widens out. Oh, um, tilt shift. No, it's a uh, it's a uh, pan and zoom or something like that. Yeah, um, it's it's the you know push in. Yeah, it's the pushing close up where where you're pushing the camera physically closer but zooming out the Yes. And they do that, but IMO, they do it a little too much. <laughs> and it goes for like a couple seconds too long and I'm like you you could you could stop. You could hold hold hold, hold up. It it's funny. It's not related to that, but um I I just found a New York Times article about how um, it's actually tonight happening tonight um, about probably an hour and two hours from my house. Uh, Biden uh, will step on the South lawn of the white house on Thursday, not to meet a foreign dignitary or sign a bill, but to celebrate a sort of true story about flaming hot Cheetos. They're watching this on the South lawn tonight. <laughs> um, and it also mentions a couple times in here that it's like Mr. Montanez claims to have invented the spicy finger staining snack. But a L.A. Times investigation found that he very likely did not. Yeah. So they're just watching a fake story about but, a fake claim. But and I just imagine it's going to be great. Like they're going to have like so the White dumb. House staff walking around with bags of flaming hot Cheetos for everyone. Oh Mr. yeah, Montanez is going to be sitting there right next to Joe. <clears throat> Evil Longoria is going to be there. The Secretary General is going to charge them for snacks. It's going to be great. Um, <laughs> yeah. It was a, Cheetos in that movie too, wasn't it? I I don't remember. It was either that or Cheez Its. Um, um, this so I want to go back to. Sorry, I just wanted to get that out. This movie could use a score and not just licensed music. Although they did put Jesse yeah. Cook in there, that was a deep cut. Um, even though that's like Spanish flamenco and not like Mexican, but he was in the movie. His, his music was in the movie, anyways. I'm like, okay, points added. Good for you. Yeah, they didn't use a lot of like the stereotypical. Uh, Mexican music that I think of from like shows like Arrested Development and stuff like that. Um, but getting back to the pacing, the movie's only an hour and 38 minutes long, but it feels like two and a half hours because so much stuff is trying to be crammed into this movie, but none of it is given enough time to matter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they I mean, they they run through they run through stuff, and I think part of it also might be the time skips that they did. I mean, they it, within this hour and a half movie, they did like three or four time skips. Um, yeah. Like they tried to hurry that. I do like the transitions that they did. That was a very nice little visual flair. I want that in more movies. I wanted that through like other things in this movie. Like they didn't they didn't do it enough for my taste. I think the weakest part of this movie was the underutilization of Tony Shalhoub. As Roger Enrico, CEO of Frito Lay, uh, we need more monk in our lives. It took me a second until I saw like his saw him speaking. I'm like, oh, that's Tony Shalhoub. 
Hey. Yeah, this movie for the casting, it it feels like a slightly snazzier made-for-TV movie because you got yeah. actors in here that are recognizable, but they don't they don't get a ton of work. Right. Yeah, Dennis Haysbert, uh, most known probably for the uh, what was it Allstate yeah. or Allstate? Yeah, Allstate commercials. Um, but decent actor, great voice. Um, Matt actor, he's, but yeah, he's great. fine. And he, and he played his role fine in this because he he's a perfectly um, yeah. serviceable actor. He just and doesn't I, do a lot, and like when he's one of your headlining names. <laughs> yeah. Um, the mark of a good performance for me in this case was that uh, Kurt and I both like resonated with that character because yeah. we both know, and I'm sure you do too, Jake. We all work in highly technical production environments, and we there is always a guru who just knows the process inside and out. And they get yeah. very cantankerous when you try and uh, explain it to them or try and mess with it in any fashion. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah. you know what? I, I see that guy. Yeah, I, I, I had a brief stint working in a factory that made food. Um, it was not quite as nice as the factory shown in this movie. Uh, but yeah, a lot of the archetypes in this movie are real. They exist. I've I've met the people. Um, yeah. And uh, it's kind of kind of hit a little too close to home in some respects <laughs> there. Yeah. They try to have um, uh, a, a pretty sentimental, uh, like, emotional through line that did not land, I don't think. They like tried they, they to harvest food they didn't plant. So in the first act, they tried to play, they, they pay lip service with, like, one line and one, one, like, little smidgen of a scene that the father's abusive. And then they try to cash in on that for a big emotional outburst in the third act and it doesn't land because they hit it once wasn't really talked about since then and they called it back in that moment you know what and i, I is this movie pg or is it pg-13 i would believe pg-13 because it be it's like depictions of crimes and i think there's an, oh, an f-bomb too. in they here too yeah. Yeah. so um so i i was thinking i'm like I'm like maybe that the fact that it could be like trying to hold on to that PG rating or well like I'm not saying the show the things. child getting the shit beaten out of him but like I don't know PG maybe rating. mention how, more than once that you know that had an effect on his life or like show show more right. behaviors it's the, associated it's the with rule an abuse threes, right you set yeah. up you remind the audience and then you can pay it off. And they try and do that a little bit because he shows up in, you know, sporadically throughout the movie. Uh, but they kind of focus more on his, like, conversion to his born-again um, Christianity. I think that was supposed to be... I think that was supposed to be the second time. He's more... Uh, well, he's shown as being emotionally abusive. But yes. not he was physically. Physically abusive in the beginning. And then even though he was saved... He was still emotionally abusive and down, um, you know, uh, belittling his son. Uh, which also the weird thing, I, the, he said it was like a kid of nine or something like that. No brothers or sisters. Anywhere. Yeah, none to be seen. It was just, it was just him, him and his dad and his mom. Just thought that that was thought that, that was. Well, I don't think it's his. 
his mom. I think he remarried his father. I don't ben, think I, we I, see the could, mom. His mom had such little to do in the movie. Vanessa Martinez, uh, yeah. her character, uh, Concha Montanez. Montanez? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, there was, and the, the whole, um, like, I get what, again, it's one of those things where, like, I get what they were going for. I wanted them to pull it off with a little more panache, was, like, you know, him being torn between his, the neighborhoods where he came from and the, the life he was trying to achieve for his family. Like, that was, that was a nice little emotional thing there. Pays off. A little weird. Um, I, I don't know. But it's kind of a fun little ending scene. Uh, if, if a little, like I said, again, a little underdone where they, they essentially, I kind of saw it coming from, again, from a mile away. Cause they were like, oh yeah, you can sell water to a whale. You can sell condoms to a nun. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh-huh. So they're going to use the, the drug sellers and they're going to like sell hot Cheetos. Like they sell the drugs. Um, yeah. That scene. And then was that was a, a fun little... little montage. I was like, okay. Um, I, I appreciated some of the humor in that. Where they're like, oh yeah, first one's free. Next time you gotta pay. Like they're using drug pushing uh, tactics yeah, and lingo. Um, it went on a little long, I think. Um, mm-hmm. Like it's, most things in this movie, it's those details. It's the little details about the pacing and the cuts and all that that will, if you tune them up, they're the you know if if she makes another movie and. Like these, these details are are really fine tuned. You can make a pretty good, the pretty good movie. You know, there's yeah. a pretty good movie in here. There's um, there's a cut of this movie that is better. Um, I don't I don't know if there's a cut of the movie that's great or even <laughs> good, but there's certainly one yeah. that's okay. Yeah. Um. I guess so. I'll I'll I want to throw this in there just because this is not. We have our own context for this movie. Um, this is part of the the quintuple, sextuple, however many um, product biopic movies have come out this year. So we should do a little a little comparison. Um, the of course the pivotal scene in any of these movies, just like how in musical biopics it's the the random inspiration that that lets them find the lyrics for their song. You know the equivalent <laughs> of that is the montage where um, the the entrepreneur develops the the iconic product. Um, mm-hmm. and we see that, we don't really see that in Tetris cause it's all about it. it that was the first selling scene. it. Yeah. Yeah. He just encounters um, Tetris. So they put in a chase scene instead. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but I guess the other one is air, right? Um, so these two scenes are, you know, comparing them side by side. I mean, what, uh, what do you think? I, I liked air better. Air did it much better. Um, I, I think air did a good yeah. job. I, I can't really say on the other to, ones because I didn't see Tetris and right the setting was what was the other one oh Blackberry we haven't I saw seen Blackberry yet and then That's um, Jerry Seinfeld will be coming out with Unfrosted the Pop Tart story yeah <laughs> which I am super uh, excited but this one, to see this one was just his kid being like ooh ow 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 yeah it's them is, it's know. it's a bunch of clips of them you know buying different kinds of peppers while he narrates and shit talks food science. It's like all their yeah. f- ingredients come in test tubes, man. Monosodium glutamate. I'm like, it's MSG. It's fucking MSG. And fucking... MSG. They're going to put it in there anyways. M- me, 
the 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 enlightened man is like it's the same shit in your pepper dude it's just extracted so you can dial it in yeah. the correct proportions more scientifically right. and so Meanwhile, and also so that when you make it and put it in the package it's not going to go bad in 3 days yeah Meanwhile, when they were doing that here, they like the first several times they fucked up and made something awful. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, just because it's out of the ground doesn't mean you're. And assuming. I love how they're like deep, deep, deep in the struggle. They're having such trouble making ends meet, yet they can go to like every fucking farmer's market in the Tri County area and yeah, buy and out their peppers. What would have tied that together is like if there's even like a shot of like he looks at his last couple dollars, he's like, all right, this is it. This is all or nothing. Well, you know, think, that would have that would have been the I, nice little keystone that would have yeah. the emotional stakes for that scene and yeah. like kind of tied the tie together know, the so, two different themes. Yeah, what, what a concept. I, I think the payoff for that was the fact that their lights went out. <laughs> that is also true. They, I thought that was a blackout. They, they did not have enough money. They were uh, in the last scene. They were like lighting I, actual like utility candles. Yeah, but they had I had took that as it could have been a blackout. I took that as they I, didn't pay I, their electricity I, bill. I could have sworn there was a scene earlier in the movie where they just had the lights out and candles on, trying to save money or whatever. Um That could I, be. Yeah, I don't know. Um Yeah, so again, like those scenes, they it just you know, air did air did what this movie should have done, which is like you you do the pacing, you make it you ramp up the intensity you you set the scene right. Um, you give it that feeling that it's all coming together. Um, like and this in, is, it's the emotional climax and like the the plot climax of your movie. And it's all how you set it up because like really the the well the emotional climax is is the pitch, but like the one of the tense moments in air is literally waiting for a phone call, but you're there for it because they've built to that moment really well. Not so much here. Now, the big question is, Air, Air obviously, in our Hollywood quintuplets rankings, still number one spot. I think we can all agree there. I will agree with that. Probably. Um, I know Jake hasn't seen Tetris, but never seeing a movie has never stopped him from rating it before. Um, (laughs) I I have have not seen enough of Tetris. I'm not going to rate it. I I will watch it, though, because I do want to kind of compare them So the question becomes, Flaming Hot, where does it fit on the leaderboard? Number two or number three? I'm going to go with my heart and actually put this at number two. Just because <clears throat> like, Tetris was okay, but like the scenes that I remember it for were the ones that make it like... I don't remember I'm, for good things. I'm going to put this at number three, personally. Um, the distinguishing... So the, I have a lot of issues with how Tetris is is structured as a movie. Same way I have issues with how this movie is structured. But I will say that I believe the characters in Tetris, for the most part, a little bit more than the characters in yeah. this movie. I mean, and the acting on the whole was a was a yeah. step up in Tetris. Honestly, I don't disagree with you. Like it, it's a very much on the fence for me, just trying to like I'm going with my gut here and um, I think that's also a really, I mean, that's a solid argument for that. Um, yeah, like, I don't know. This is, this movie's a little blunt. Um, this is a movie, I guess I, I would, 
I would show I would show this movie on a, like an off day in my business econ class. Like uh, this is what yeah, I feel, I feel is. like. There's no and business for my, regions. For eighth grades business econ. All right, guys, we're gonna watch the Flame and Hot story while I go nurse this hangover. Yeah, all these movies are gonna be shown in like high school business classes uh, when the teacher finishes up the curriculum and has to pad out time to the end of the school year for uh yeah. for decades to come that's why there's such a glut of these yeah. um, <laughs> um we'll, again, we'll try to looking... find blackberry uh get her, get her hands on that yep. and uh let you know how that one is at some if point we... yeah and i just want to preface like we i don't know if we've ever talked about why we're like kind of excited well i mean we talked about when we when we looked it up um but to reiterate like the whole the pop tarts one I'm excited for because like Jerry Seinfeld is no stranger to the absurd. Um, Definitely he's not, not afraid to get weird with it. See B movie. <laughs> um, and he's again, as you said, Kurt, he only works on stuff he wants to work on. Yeah. He doesn't, he doesn't have, have to, to work money. He sits on his ass and rakes in more money from Seinfeld residuals than the three of us will see in our lifetime combined. Yeah. Um, and so when so he, when, when when he, he gets, gets involved itch. with a project, you figure there's something to it. And there's a lot of a lot of actors and comedians that I enjoy that are supposedly in that movie. So, well, they've been announced. So I guess it's more than supposedly. They're going to be in that movie. So I'm excited for that. Um, I think that one's coming out last. Um, I don't know if it's even going to make this year. But... Uh, we will get BlackBerry, and we'll uh, we'll review that when we have another gap in the yep. summer release schedule. But I think and next week, then we'll review Unfrosted and uh, we'll give we'll you the final a, rankings. Yeah, it's like the shitty Avengers. Yeah, um, we we've been looking for that special event ever since we wrapped up Phase Wave Two of Shitty Avengers. Here it is. <laughs> Um, next week, I mean, I guess speaking of superheroes, next week, I think we're going to be doing The Flash. We're just going to um, see what happens there. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, that's we'll try the, to... the... That'll be very interesting, because, like, we have, in the span of three weeks, right, we've had these three big blockbusters come out, and, all right, here's my, here's my unfounded hot take, um, the, what I want to be true. <laughs> I don't know, maybe the Flash movie will be really great, and it'll sort of the top. I mean, even if it's not great, it'll probably sort of the, the top number one. But, like, I don't know. There's a chance it might not even break uh, number one next week. Oh, it's definitely breaking number one. <laughs> uh, it has to. I, if Transformers can, Flash has to. Yeah. Transformers made $61 million this week, and its second week it's probably going to make... Transformers is probably going to be third. I think Spider-Verse is going to hold on to a larger chunk of its audience, and it'll yeah. make, like, I don't know, $35 million. And Transformers is going to make, like, $30 million. And Flash is going to make That'll something be... like, I don't know, $80 million maybe? That's my yeah. prediction. That's pretty solid. I, I, there, there's, there's like an equal amount of hype and uh, distaste for uh, Ezra Miller's uh, antics being in this movie. I think so, enough people um, are going to get baited in by Michael Keaton Batman 
for this movie to be yeah. a success because I'm, I'm one of them. Mark has been really good for this movie. Not gonna lie. I, yeah, I'm one of those people too. Yeah. <laughs> I am <laughs> yeah. that. That's how I know because I'm that guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. I guess the. So yeah, well, we're gonna sign off here, but um, just I'm gonna put it in everyone's brains. Uh, this is a DC EU movie, so it's gonna be competing with the likes of Wonder Woman 1984. That's the floor. That's the floor that we're living in here. Don't have to jump real high to clear that bar. No, um, no, you don't. But at the same more, time, you never know. So, you do never know. We'll, I guess we'll, we'll find out next week. So, and until then, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye-bye.